So, um, a few extra announcements that we had this morning, but um, yeah, just really pray for the Tumby Bay Church. I just want to continue our series today on growing, and um, I reckon the way this is going, we'll get to uh, point number, uh, what part number 900. Um, and someone actually this morning said to me, oh, we're doing part 14 today, so you have been listening, Katie. That was really good of you. But uh, we're up to part 14. And uh, it's really about how to, how to grow a culture of unity. And it's really, really important that we, that we understand the, the importance of God blesses people who are unified. So um, it's a quality distinction of the church um, is how God pulls people together to complete his purpose on the earth. Uh, God gets people, he finds people and he brings them together, draws them together so that they can do things that they can't do by themselves. If we look at the disciples that Jesus chose to be his closest, the 12, um, without going into deep study of each of them, they were all different, but they're all just so ordinary. They were just ordinary people that God said, you know, uh, follow me, follow me, and they follow. Um, Jesus became the connection, the focal point, the purpose of their lives. And with Jesus, they found themselves in the centre of God's master plan for the whole world. But the glue between them all was Jesus. And that's what I think is so important about church, is the glue between us all is Jesus Christ, is the centre of it all, so that he's the one who brings us all together. So we can build a church on a personality, on a person uh, perhaps who's very charismatic, and, and that, that can be all really good. And actually, you can see that in many places, churches can grow very, very large and very quickly by a charismatic kind of a leader. But if that person was to be taken out of the equation, then you see that just as quickly as it grew, it can, it can decline. So the, the glue that we need to have in any church situation or any ministry situation is the focal point has got to be Jesus Christ, not a personality that we're looking at. So uh, today all around the world, everywhere around the world, there are people who are following Jesus just like the disciples who have decided to follow Jesus. So in the process of that decision, God's people together in faith, um, so the church today is founded upon that strength of unity. Um, it's... I'm going to make a statement now that I hope you don't miss because this could be the big hit for the whole morning. But it's not okay to believe Jesus but not be in union with other believers. It's not okay to believe in Jesus but not be in union with believers. So the greatest purpose of Jesus' work or the greater purpose of Jesus' work is establishing disciples in the church. It is what Jesus instituted. We need to really, really understand that because it is way too easy to be deceived by ourselves and deceived by Satan to think, well, I'm okay with God because we have this special relationship, this special friendship, but I really struggle with church. I really struggle with these Christian crowd because Jesus instituted fellowship. He instituted the church so that we could do and build and create the environment that, that brings down heaven's glory to the earth. And helps other people to see God through that. So today's message about growing a culture of unity or teamwork is 
um, really all about finding your place in the team. Because, you know, it, it, it's one thing to be on a team, but, you know, if you're, there's, there's kind of different uh, characters you have on any team. There, there's, there's one character who, who is like the ball hog. And, and I was just talking to some people yesterday about a, a particular football player. And, and you say, you know, that guy had incredible skill, had incredible talent, but his downfall was he was a ball hog. So instead of passing on the ball, he'd say, well, I'm pretty close. I'll go for the goal, but get caught. Or, 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 or then hang on to the ball too long and then, and then under pressure, try and get rid of it, but it's too late. And, you, and again, you, you, you do a rush kick and, and you're in trouble. So there's one thing to be a ball hog, but sometimes in that you hold things for too long and then you, 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 you waste a chance when you should have passed it on and let someone else kick the goal. Um, the other kind of person is the person who's like, kick it to me, kick it to me, I'm here. But no one's kicking to you. No one's kicking to that person or kicking to them. No, it's not you, it's someone else. <coughs> But, you know, we, 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 we see these kind of characters. But, you know, uh, be, finding your part of the team is you don't want to be the ball hog on one extreme and you don't want to be out there in the paddock running around all by yourself saying, kick it to me, kick it to me. But, but you're, not, you're, not, you're not building the kind of um, trust base that other people will pass it to you. Because I, I guess I, I would probably... Um, uh, relate to the person who says, kick it to me, kick it to me. Uh, because I, I guess I never developed skills or trust so that people would kick it to me because they know if we kick it to him, we're gonna, the ball's going the other way. <laughs> so turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. One day, Soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all. The, I've underlined that. Everyone say that bit. Called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. <clears throat> so there's a couple of words there that we're going to look at. That, that sentence was important. We need to remember that. Put that in your pocket and keep it for later. But there's two, two words that are used here that we're just going to briefly explain. Number one, disciple. Um, it says he, he prayed all night, then he called uh, the disciples together and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Number one, disciple. It's a, uh, it's a definition word that we directly associate the word to a follower of Jesus or followers of Jesus. We still would call ourselves that today. Well, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Uh, some people may use that term. But in the ancient world that, that Jesus lived in, the disciple describes a devoted follower, a student or a pupil of a master teacher. Someone who says, well, I, I, found, uh, I found a master to follow and I'm going di to disciple myself, put myself under their discipline and follow them. Uh, it comes from a Greek word. Uh, I'm not going to say it. That's up there on the screen there. Um, for the Greek, we have Greeks here, so I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to say the word. Um, and that's the, the root word. If you read the, the original scriptures, it, it has that Greek word there for the Greeks. And it also relates to a Latin word, uh, disciplus, something like that. Come on, all, all the discipulus. I'm going to have a son and I'm going to call him discipulus. 
a little brother for Josh. The second one. The other word we need to look at is apostle. <clears throat> the definition that, that, that um, we find here is uh, it's used specifically by Jesus to, to identify the 12 men that Jesus chose to be his closest to him. So Jesus did, didn't just have 12 disciples who followed him. He, he had a great number of people uh, who followed him and were his devoted followers. But out of that group, he chose 12 to be trained as leaders and he called them his apostles. It refers to a messenger, an ambassador, um, someone specifically sent as a personal envoy. So uh, we have them in government today. If there's, if there's a, a special message that has to be sent or, or communication between countries, they'll choose someone uh, who's respected in, in the government and they'll say, we're going to send you uh, as a special envoy to speak and communicate to another, another country. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was training these envoys to communicate the, the heavenly message to the world. And he said, I'm going to send you as envoys to teach this to everyone in the world. So the Greek word for that is apostolos. Oh, cool. I, can, I, I had a shot at that one. But my hope today is that people listening to this message uh, may be inspired to, to draw closer to Jesus, also that that be a stirring in our hearts for the call of God or for the ministry that God is, is preparing for each one of us. And God is preparing ministry for each one of us. We need to understand that, that, that we can't say, well, that's all right for them, or that's all right for them, uh, because God wants to call us into uh, the ministry. So in Luke chapter 6.13, we go back to that, uh, Jesus called together all the disciples. So all the people who had been following him, he says, we're going to have a special meeting. I don't know what, what particular day. He says, why don't we all come together? I want you all to be there. And uh, he calls them all together. And it is so easy to, um, to dismiss ourselves from the opportunity or from God's calling to these special times. So I'll, I'll take that back a bit. And it's also easy to dismiss ourselves ourselves from the opportunity of God's assignment. We can miss ourselves from God's assignment because we didn't turn up when Jesus called. So because we're missing when Jesus is calling us, when Jesus is calling us together, we're not there and then we miss the assignment that Jesus wants to place upon us. So that, that's a really important factor. So hopefully I explained that clearly enough this morning. But um, I love the next story that we're going to look at uh, of the disciples because they missed it themselves. Because they had an assignment, but they missed their, they missed their assignment one day. So John chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. It says, That evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. So Jesus is out praying. He leaves the disciples at the boat with the boat and they start to get impatient. So someone's, someone, they're sitting around, they're talking, they're having a bit of a joke and a laugh, but it's getting pretty boring out here. And they, someone says, well, where is he? 
and with a tone of annoyance in their voice. Someone else wait, waits another 10 minutes and says, well, he's taken a long time. Tap, someone's tapping their feet and looking at their watch and starting to get a little bit boring here. Then someone else says, well, it's getting late. Someone else says, yeah, the wind's starting to pick up a little bit. It's getting a little bit chilly. And then someone finally pipes up and says, well, well, I'm hungry. Domino's in Capernaum will still be open. Who's hungry for pizza? And so Capernaum Pizza Bar, here we come. So they, they all pile in the boat and get rowing. So great support crew for Jesus. They leave Jesus on the other side of the lake with no transport. It's like, catch ya. And they're, they're off. But we don't have to worry because Jesus gets across without them. See, this story is often focused on Jesus, uh, his hike across the water. But I want to throw another angle at this about unity and team this morning and how we need to grow with the right culture and the right attitude in the life of the church so that we are a unified team. And, and uh, turn to someone and say, we're a unified team. And, and I think there's, there's a, a, lot of defective, a lot of defective cultures we have in church, but this is one that we need to be effective in, is learning the, the power that is in being in a unified team. And the, one of the big... Uh, um, Enemies of this is, is pride and uh, things like that can really be the big enemies that cause people to separate from each other. But the disciples, this is, this is a really important fact here, the disciples were in unity. They were together. They were, in, they were unified. Um, they all left together in the boat. Not one left behind. You would have thought, someone would have thought, well, hang on, I'll stay for Jesus. But they didn't. It says... They all got together. They left him all by himself on the wrong side of the lake. So they're in unity. They left together in the boat, but they left Jesus behind, the one they were serving and the one that they were there for, the one they went there with. They leave Jesus behind. So try to remember this point. It's great being in the team, but don't forget the assignment. It's great being in the team, but don't forget who called you. See, these guys, they were unified. They're like, we're together and there is no safety in numbers when it comes to serving God. You might think, but the whole church is going down this track. The whole church thinks this is a, a great idea. Everyone else is doing this. There's no safety in, in the crowd when you're supposed to be following Jesus or serving Jesus. So they're thinking, well, we're all in this together. You know, we're gone. Who knows what they were really thinking? So make sure the mission of Jesus is the focus of the team. Don't forget the assignment. This was Jesus' hand-picked team, remember? They were in unity, but misread the assignment. They're in unity. So we can have a unification within a movement, within a church, within a team... But it's, it is easier than we think to misread the assignment and start down a track that, that really we don't need to be going down. 
because somewhere in those side tracks that we can take in life, we leave Jesus behind on the wrong side of the lake. And we don't want to be on a journey or going somewhere where Jesus isn't in the boat. Because we, we find that life becomes difficult. We're rowing hard. We're trying, to, we're trying to do everything in our strength and in our energy, but Jesus is not in it. So I'd rather, I'd rather wait an hour till Jesus comes than be rowing in the wrong boat without him. I just want to draw some, some other lessons we can learn this morning from, from David, um, a character in the Bible. If you're not familiar with David, he became king. Uh, we're going to look at his life before he was the king. And uh, he began on the run, basically, from the, the, the king that he was serving. And um, as, as he was like, on the run, living, like, living in, the, in the outback, in the desert, in the wilderness, away from people, um, God started to bring people to him. And we see in this story that as God began to draw people to, to David, it's a similar way that God has uh, brings people to church or has brought people to our particular church, if we take it into our own con context. And God is still bringing people for the assignment of One Heart Church. And I, I want to encourage people, if you're here with us and you've, you've made that decision, well, this is the church where um, God wants me to be or this is the church that I've, I feel that I should be, then, then you've made a decision to join the assignment of what God has for all of us to achieve. Um, so part of that assignment is, is found in our vision to be a large relevant church of mature believers who love our community. That's our assignment. So there's, there's, there's you know, tons and tons of stuff in that one sentence that is loaded from God. But let's not be impatient and keep focused, but keep focused on the assignment that God puts before us. Um, I think if we relate that even to our own salvation, many, many people get impatient thinking, well, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus because I got scared one night because I saw a Christian horror movie about the return of Jesus. And, and, and that was like a long time ago. And maybe Jesus has forgotten and he's not coming back. So I'm sure if, if, the, if the disciples sitting beside that boat had just seen um, one of those Christian horror movies like, like what was The Thief in the Night, they would, they would have stayed there. They would, they would have stayed there. They would have been saying, well, we, we can't go in case Jesus comes back. But we, we, need, to, we need to have a, a, a desire within us to say, I, I want to be close serving Jesus because he is coming back. So, so the disciples thought, well, maybe he's not coming back. I mean, maybe someone said he probably got eaten by a lion up there. We're not going to look. And we have, it, is, it is very easy to allow our relationship with God to, to grow cold and to get stale and think, well, maybe he's not coming back. The great message of our faith is that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. We should never, we should never stray much from that and live each day saying, well, it could be right now, it could be today. And, and we need to have our faith in Jesus Christ and say, well, you know, when Jesus returns... I'll be ready. 
And Jesus spoke a lot about it. People kind of think, oh, we interpret it like this, we interpret it like that. So many stories that Jesus himself taught his disciples about his return. And we just need to read through the the, the scriptures again and look at those stories and say, well, God, um, if Jesus said it, I think it's going to happen. It might have been him. (laughs) So 1 Chronicles... Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Oh, sorry, here's a little thing. I forgot that was there. Keep calm and do your assignment. Keep, keep the assignment that God has given you in your hand. Well, if you can read that, you're good. So if you're prophetic, you know what the top line says. It's a test. It says, The following men joined David at Ziklag while he was hiding from Saul, son of Kish. Saul was the king at the time, and he wanted to kill David. They were among the warriors who fought beside David in battle. All of them were expert archers and they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. They were all relatives of of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. So I just want to show you three things out of this scripture uh, that is significant for the church today. Number one, the first thing we see here is when things weren't going good for David, he had people who... uh, people who he needed for his future, joining themselves to his cause. Because David had been prophesied that one day he's going to be king. Uh, and it looked like after that, over those things that had been prophesied, he'd been actually anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And it was like everything that said that that was going to happen looked like it would never happen. So he's driven out of the, out of the country. He goes to live in another country, in the Philistine territory, with the enemies of Israel. And yet God had given him a promise that one day he'd be king. God God had even had the the prophet anoint him to be the king and everything turned around and went upside down. The other thing we need to to just side issue here is sometimes when between the call of God and and the, the, the fulfillment of that is a reversal happens. I've seen it in my life many times. Sometimes you think, well, God, I can see this is going to happen. I feel that you're going to lead me down a, a pathway to this or that. And, and then suddenly you think, well, the, the, the pathway would just go like this, 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 this. And then I would enter into that, that thing that God showed me. But what, what usually happens, we need to be prepared for it, is you enter a season of reversal where it's like, well, is that what God said? Well, that's never going to happen. Did God say you're going to be king, David? Well, how are you going to be a king when you have to run away from Israel and live with the Philistines? It'll never happen now. But you know what? God takes us through the reversals and and brings us into the place of his uh, his will if we stay committed to him. So uh, that's the first thing that that we see in this story. But um, David had people joining him when things weren't going good. And I believe that we, we see that in the life of our church. We've had people joining us before we fix things up. We've had, thing, we've had people joining us before we had all the comforts. We have people joining us before we're in a new building. We have people joining us before we have all the programs. So God will bring people into us and bring people to join us as a, as a, as a church, as a body, unified together with a purpose to glorify Jesus Christ because there is a purpose between why you are here and what we all do together. And we need, to, we need to be saying, God, I want to connect myself into something because I want to be part of what you want to do in the Lower Air Peninsula, in South Australia, in Australia, in the world. 
And you don't want to short-circuit yourself from that because when Jesus was calling, you weren't there. It says Jesus called all the disciples together and then he chose out of them these apostles and, and the difference between becoming someone who, who becomes a special envoy, a special uh, um, vessel of honour for God, is those who say, well, God, I'm going to commit myself, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the place where you're calling us to and I'm going to be ready for that, for that call when your name is called and chosen. The second thing we see in this, in this verse is we see some of those men are breaking their family ties to enlist with David. It says they were from Benjamin. They're, they're Saul's tribe. That's, that's the, the other king's tribe. They're Saul's cousins. They're Saul's relatives right there. And we should not discriminate those who want and can help the cause, whose hearts God stirs. And sometimes we might think, well, they're, they're ethnically different. Or we might think they've come from a different church background. Or maybe we, you know, uh, we, we've got reservations about their lifestyle before they came into the house of God. We need to say, well, God, if you're bringing them to us, help us to teach and train them and welcome them in so that they can be part of the cause that you're bringing us all together to achieve. So the third thing we see says they were experts in their craft, marksmen at the top of their game. Um, they're gifted people, skilled, wise, strong, committed, and self-disciplined. You don't, get, you don't get to be an expert marksman if you don't practice. You don't become good at anything unless you don't apply yourself to that. Uh, if, you never, if, you never, if you never train yourself, if you never um, uh, develop fitness, you'll never, you never do those things. If you don't study, you never become top of the class. You can cheat your way, but it doesn't last. So God stirred the hearts of people to join David and he, and he brought good men that David needed for the future. David could have just stood out there in front of his cave and said, you know, in the middle of the wilderness, guys, what are you coming to me for? I've got nothing to offer. You might as well go home. But something was in David saying, you know what, I can't, you know, he's in Philistine territory when all this stuff's happening. You're thinking, oh, I can't see what God is doing. I don't know why, but you, you're bringing these people to me and, and, and I want to um, protect you and help you and help you to grow. And we're going to see a little bit more in the story of how exciting it becomes. Now, just because... There may be a group of people all in the same building doesn't equate to unity, funnily enough. So we can all be in the same building, we can all be in the same place at the same time, all on the same bus, but it doesn't mean we all want to go to the same place. So 1 Chronicles 12 verse 16, see if that fits. Oh. It says, Others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold that's out in the wilderness somewhere. David went out to meet them and said, if you've come in peace to help me, we are friends. That's pretty good wisdom from David there. But if you've, um, uh, if you've come to betray me to my enemies when I'm innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see it and punish you. So a good question we need to ask ourselves if we want to grow in unity and be part of the team that God wants to put together to, to do something significant, is 
Are you here to help us? You need to ask yourself that question in any church environment, any ministry environment that you, that you want to enter into, is ask yourself, am I here to help? Is that my motivation? Because unfortunately people come in and say, well, well I, 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 I want to offer myself, but it's not to help others, it's to promote my agenda, promote my ministry, so that I can position myself for my own reason. So David was, was checking out the crowds that were coming to him and saying, are you here to help us or are you here for your own reasons? But it's a good question that we need to ask ourselves that same question. So David needs to ask that and so do we. Uh, on that, here in, here in One Heart Church, we have uh, One Purpose Nights and that's to explain who we are to people that are joining us so that they can decide if this place is where they should be. Now, I really want to encourage you. We put, these, we put maybe two or three on every year. Um, and when those nights are on, if you've been in this church for, for uh, 20 or 30 years or, or whatever, you need to say, I need to go to one of them. If you've never been to one, you need to. Because, because we, we, we want to explain what our, what our core values are, uh, what our vision is, uh, what our culture is. And, and when you start to sit that and understand that, then, then you can say, well, yes, that's, that's exactly what I've always wanted to see. Or, or that's exactly where I want to build with. Or on the other hand, you might think, well, you know what? I, I don't see that. And, and there may be a time for, for a, a, a change, a future change in, in some people. If, if they understand that. But, but I think it, it does everyone good to come in and, and refresh themselves on those things in the life of our church. Um, so in, the, in those sessions, we cover uh, two main things. Orientation, and that's for people who, um, who are from other churches. And uh, they're coming in, for, they've, they've, they've been uh, Christians, they've, they've had a relationship with God, but Maybe they're new to Port Lincoln or they've transferred from another church and that that's, happens, it's okay. But they come into our church, they need to be reorientated into this church so that they don't transpose patterns from other places. It's a big mistake to go, well, this is how we used to do it when, when I was over there and, and this is, they did music practice on Tuesday night so I turn up because I want to be in on the music team on Tuesday night here and there's no one here and I don't know why they don't choose me. Well, because we don't do it on Tuesday, we do it on Thursday. But we... we, we can't transpose lessons from somewhere else to a new environment. I, I use this on those nights. I say you can't, you can't use the rules you got taught in primary school at high school because the, the teacher won't let you go out to play, play time in high school. And we, we, we do that spiritually when we have a transition from one, one ministry or one church to another. The other thing that's really important that we do in those nights is we touch on rehabilitation. And that's for those who are new believers. And they have to go through a season of relearning life skills. So people that, you know, who are coming into a new revelation of who Jesus is, they're, they're brand new believers, they need to understand what rehabilitation is all about spiritually. So we need to learn how to talk different. We need to learn how to talk right. We need to learn how to walk right. So, so we, we, we're putting out... We're helping people put their feet on the track to walk following Jesus. And then the other thing they need to do is how to work right and, and to work with the right motivation 
for Jesus. So, so those, those two key areas is orientation and rehabilitation. And that's what we cover uh, partly on those nights. So I really want to encourage you that um, th those nights are, are there for predominantly for new people coming in, but also for those of us who have been here for a long, long time, will benefit from saying, well, I'm going to go to one of those every couple of years and just refresh myself with where the church is at, where we're going, and how I can connect in. That's the other big part of those nights is how does a new person connect in? Because they don't know. And sometimes we've got people sitting around in church for years and years and years. Somehow they, they might have just thought, well, I slipped in. I didn't really get involved and I just stayed like that. But you know what? The, the, the power of unity is when everybody finds their place and starts to move in that, starts to work in that. An engine works on lots of parts doing their part. You pull out one little part. It's frustrating when, you, when your car won't start because one little part doesn't go. Could be lots of lots of parts can fail, but sometimes it's only one little bit. It's like you know the alternator's not working, so the battery went flat, so the car won't start. So you get a new alternator, and then it works, and then the starter motor stops, and then you know, then the fuel pump, then the then 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 the battery, and then the other thing. So who feels the pain? But we don't want to be a church of broken down parts. We don't want to be a church with a flat battery. Because you might be the battery, you need, to be, you need to be sharp, you need to be full. Because you might be the starter motor that starts things. I mean, we, we see people in our church that are like that. Pastor Pauline's a starter. Um, Pastor Kylie's a person who, who, who is, is like a starter. They, they have ideas, they have, they have things, they, they start things up. And we can't do without those kind of people. There's other things in, in you that you have, gifts that God has put in you, that if we remove from the motor of the church, then the church won't go anywhere. So you can't say, oh, my part doesn't matter because of insecurity. You need to get that, you need to listen to that, that message on uh, part, whatever it was, on insecurity. So you can't allow your personal insecurities to disconnect yourself from the engine of God's purpose because then none of us go anywhere. Well, we might get there, but it's going to be a lot of huffing and puffing and pushing and shoving and, and, and energy expended but when everyone's working together, it's just... Or if it's a diesel. So back to the story where David asks these men who are all streaming to him, are you here to help us? First Chronicles 12 verse 18 I think I have it here. Uh, yep. Then the Spirit, so David asked these guys this question, are you here to help us? Are you here to help me? And the Spirit came upon Amasai or Amasiah or Amasiah, the leader of the 30, and he said, we are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you and success to all who help you, for your God is the one who helps you. So David let them join him and he made them officers over his troops. So there are five indicators or commitments that help grow unity and team that we can apply to our own personal situation and life. So this is the, um, coming to the end of the message here today. But the first thing we see is... This Amasai speaks for everybody. All the points are up there. And I couldn't get rid of the red line in the middle, so I'm sorry. I don't know how to do it. 
I need to have that part of the engine working for me. But he says, we are yours, David. And if we're going to grow in unity in the church and, and to keep the church growing and moving and to be able to develop the momentum that God has, has uh, seen in the church in these days, we have to have a commitment of loyalty. So that's what, that's what this Amasai is saying on behalf of the whole crowd He's saying, we've got a commitment of loyalty to you, David. We've got a commitment of loyalty to Jesus Christ. A commitment of loyalty to the church. So uh, note this commitment came before any title or position was granted or offered. Sometimes you might go into a, into a new environment and think, well, what are they offering me? What are they going to give me? Are they going to recognise my ministry? See, Amasiah mentions this thing. He goes, we are yours, David. David hasn't offered anything yet. He hasn't offered any cabinet positions. He hasn't got anything to offer, basically. So um, a, a commitment to belong and to follow and serve. Um, the opposite is, is, is also true. And some people come into things saying, well, let's just see how we go. Maybe in a few months, uh, if we still like it here, um, if we you know, get recognised, if people notice my, my ministry. And, um, and so that's the opposite angle. But... Uh, what this Amasiah did is he identified David as their leader and he gave a commitment of their loyalty. And sometimes we have the breakdown of unity within churches and within ministry components of church because people don't want to recognise a leader. And whether, whether that person is, is you know, uh, smart enough for you or whether they're gifted enough for you, the start of the blessing in you is to recognise who the leader is. If that's in the catering, you say, who's the catering leader? We recognise that leader and we serve that leader. Whether it's uh, on the welcome team, you say, who's the leader on the day? Who's the leader over that department? Recognise that and say, I'm going I'm to give a commitment of loyalty to you. And, and what often happens in, in church scenes especially, and sometimes I've seen it even in sporting clubs and that that I've seen from a distance, is there are people who, instead of saying, I'm going to give you my commitment of loyalty and serve that, is they go around trying to pull the leader's pants down. And trying to say, oh, they did that wrong. Oh, they don't, they don't know what they're saying. And trying to find an inconsistency and trying to humiliate and embarrass them in front of people. You never do that. You never build unity in a church if you're always pulling the pastor's pants down, which is easy to do because there's lots of inconsistencies with pastors in other churches. But... <laughs> they think I'm joking. <laughs> the next key. Who's, who's getting these? Next key. It's all there on the screen. We are on your side. We are on your side. That is a commitment of purpose, a commitment to purpose. Um, note that uh, this commitment came before they knew what they would be asked to do or where it would take them. So they're saying... We're on your side, David. But, but they don't even know what David's going to ask them to do. They're just saying, oh, we're part of the team. We're in this. Wherever you go, we'll be there, David. David's saying, well, I don't know where I'm going to go next week. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But they're saying, but we're on your side. They're committed to David's purpose because they knew that David had been anointed to be king. And they're saying, well, we're going to, we're going to join to that in faith. 
And so sometimes you might think, well, we know the purpose of, you know, some of the uh, prof prophetic words over our church have been also amazing and also incredible. But you know what? We need to say, well, I'm going to commit myself to that, not wait till it happens. Because a lot of people, when, when, the, when momentum starts to grow and build in a church, you find there's a lot of people will be attracted to that because it's already there. But the amazing thing about David is that people were, were coming to him and saying, we're, we're committed to the purpose of the kingdom before David was king. So there's some really important keys that we can, we can learn from that. So uh, the opposite again of that is tell me what I'll be doing, how much pay, uh, give me the job description. But see, these guys committed to support David's purpose without any of that. And I think it's really good when we have people come and say, you know what, I, I, I see the vision, I can see uh, you know, wh where things are and, and I just want to get involved. And we've got some young men I want to honour who, who are here on Wednesdays and, and I won't name them, but they're here on Wednesdays and they're just, they're just serving the house of God um, with what we have and they're making things a whole lot better around this place all the time, fixing things that are broken, um, doing any, any little job that we ask them to do uh, and, and, and putting things together. They're, they're like at that place where they've got a commitment to purpose um, just with what we have already. They've got no, no titles or positions, but they're just serving Jesus. And I think God loves that in people. So number three, uh, they say, peace and prosperity be with you. That's a commitment to material and moral support. So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, well, well we, we support church, but are we, uh, are we prepared with a commitment to, our, to what we have to sow that to the house of God? Do we tithe? That's a big question. You know, that, that's, a, that's a fundamental place of, of uh, honouring God in our life. Now, I don't want to go into big debates about whether that's Old Testament or New Testament. You know what? Uh, I, th I think we need, to, we need to answer those questions ourselves and say, well, God, well, what is it you want me to give then? And I know when there, there, is a, there was a huge uh, release in my life of, of blessing when I started to put away my arguments why I should not and started to say, God, I'm going to obey you why I should. And I found I, I, found I lost my, my job in a, a big construction boom that all fell, fell apart. So all the money was gone out of that area. And then big money wasn't coming in anymore. And I, I had to get a job in a, in a maintenance stream and uh, uh, was in there probably half the money. And then I started to say, well, you know what? I'm gonna, now I've got less, so I'm going to start to tithe. And God gave me more. But when I had a lot more in the first place, I didn't tithe because I was stingy and stubborn and I wasn't blessed. So I can tell you right from, from my own life that, that I, I found the blessing in God with less when I gave God the portion that he asked for. Don't debate it about me because I've got the living proof of it and I've done it ever since and God's always blessed. Doesn't mean I drive around in a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce. I don't need that. But I, ha I am blessed and I have peace and I have what I need every day and, and God is good to me. So uh, commitment to peace in the camp, number three. Uh, where are we up to? Peace and prosperity to you. That's also uh, commitment to peace in the camp. We're here together on a common mission uh, with a focus and attention and purpose uh, to build, say in our context, if we keep it local, to build one heart. Um, a commitment to support the work at hand financially with supplies and any other material we have at hand to give. So uh, having that peace and uh, prosperity, though, commitment to peace in the camp. So th there are some people who aren't committed to peace in the camp. 
And they're the ones who, who, who you know, um, get around like a roadrunner, uh, bearing gossip and, and, and uh, um, talking about negative things all the time. But, but that, that doesn't lead to peace in the camp. So we, we want to have a peaceful church, a blessed church, and, and a way in which we ensure that individually is not to be the one running around bearing tales, but we're saying, I'm committed to peace and prosperity here in the church. Number four, success to all who help you, and that's a commitment to unity with all those who have the same goal. Unity with others on the team. So we operate in cooperation with other departments and people. So there's nothing worse within a church context where you have one department vying for attention over another. So, so you have the, the youth department crying because, oh, no one, no one gives us anything. We, we're always left behind. We're the last on the roster. Uh, they, they, they don't, don't give us anything. And, and, and we don't have any money to do anything. And then you have the music department. Well, well they're, they're complaining because they think the youth are getting it all. And, and so they've got no equipment and they, no one gives them anything. And you have all these departments all, all having their, their sulks and their, their, their issues because they're, they're, they're vying their, what they have or don't have with some other, some other thing within the, within the church. But unity with others on the team. We've got to operate in cooperation with all the others in the team. So commit to the win of every department. If they win, we win. If music department's doing good, then we're winning. If youth department's doing good, we're winning. If the kids' department's doing good, we're winning. If the welcome team's doing good, we're winning. If, if, if we're thinking, hey, well, I'm the, I'm the worship director and I, I pinched five people from the welcome team, so they're losing, but I'm winning. We're all losing. So, so we've, we've got to realise that, that when one team suffers, we all suffer. When one team do, does well, we all celebrate together. But it's a, a, a commitment to having uh, unity and we celebrate the same goals. So we've got to celebrate successes, successes of others and commit to serve alongside others who are on the same mission. We don't have the same function, but we have the same goal. So it's never healthy or helpful to have departments that isolate themselves or compare themselves with pride. So we don't want to have we don't want to have a church church within a church. We don't want to have you know the youth group going down a stream, and this happens from time to time in places where uh, a particular ministry might do really well. It could be women's, it could be men, it could be youth, it could be anything where where you know it becomes quite successful, and then it it separates itself from the whole church. It says, well, we'll, we'll there's an empty scout hall down the street. We'll we'll start church down there with with that ministry we had. That's never the goal that God has for his church. God's goal is to, to keep you know, the successful ones growing stronger so that the whole church is blessed. Um, number five is the last one. Amosiah says, your God helps you. That's a recognition of divine appointment. So Amosiah is saying, we know that God appointed you to this. We know that God is with you, David. And while we're all called and have the blessing of God, so we, we don't want to sort of say, well, some people are more called, but we're all called and have the blessing of God as believers. The church does run by structure and has leadership. The key is don't put the crown on your own head. 
Because I'm not here today as, as, as a pastor because one day I woke up and thought, well, I'm going to make myself a pastor. I'll, I'll just find a church and I'll, I'll make myself. There's an appointment that comes. And we need to be careful that we don't put crowns on ourselves. So sometimes when there's, when there's a lack of leadership in, in certain parts of church, you'll find someone, and, and usually it's the wrong one, will say, well, I'll put that crown on my head. I'll make myself a department leader. I'll, I'll assume responsibility of this area. When you do that, you, you go into a place of self-appointment that doesn't guarantee you that God is going to be blessing what you're doing. So the future at One Heart Church won't be built on special events or what guest speakers we have, but in our culture. The things that we've talked about today are all culture related. So growing together in unity and team, we lift the level of normal in our lives and in the life of the church. I love that. Um, growing together in unity and team, we lift the level of normal in our own lives and in the church. I want you to lift the level of normal in your life. When you're connected in unity, in, in, in working in, in cooperation with your church, you're lifting the level of normal. You're lifting the, the, the way in which we can operate, the way in which we, we function is changed. So hitting a higher mark sets the level of a new normal. And that's what we want to do, is hit the level of a new normal. So I want to pray for you this morning. And I know the Holy Spirit wants to really touch people and shake some things off. And you know, this can get very, very personal. I wouldn't expect people to put their hands up for this stuff. But it, it is very easy to, to be in a church that's accepted a level of normal that wasn't God's plan at all. And some, some of those things are cultural things like where, where it becomes a, 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 a national pastime to, to attack anything that's happening in the church or to be critical or to have, have a, negative, uh, a negative spin on anything like a, a, a conspiracy theory within the church about everything that's happening. You know, we, we need to shake those things off. We need to say, Jesus, I want to be part of the, the, the future purpose that you have planned for this place. So I want to pray for some things. And, you know, perhaps there's people like those disciples we saw right at the start. And you've become impatient. And maybe you're, you're halfway across the lake. You've rowed off without Jesus in the boat. I want to tell you something. What Jesus did in, in that instance is he met them in their struggle and maybe this is going to explain some things. You're thinking, well, why is ministry so tough for me? Why is, why is it so hard? Why is it, It's like I'm, I'm fighting against the wind and the waves and, 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 and everything's so tough in my life. You know, I, I can almost guarantee you, Jesus was, was say, hey, wait for me. I've got a ministry call for you. You got impatient. You said, I can do this all by myself with my mates. They're all in the boat with me. We've got to be safe because Luke's here and Arthur's here. And Tomo's here. We're all right, boys. Boy, it's getting hard. Is it hard for you? Yeah, I think we're sinking. Are we sinking? Yeah. Uh-oh. What's that on the water out there? Oh, my God, it's Jesus. Is it Jesus or is it a ghost? I don't know. <laughs> this is scary. Whoa. And Jesus comes and hops right back in the boat and everything comes back to where it should be. And in some, some versions of that story, it says, and once Jesus got in the boat, they arrived at their destination like that. So perhaps 
you've been impatient and you've rode off without Jesus, you need to, you need to say, Jesus, I welcome you back in the boat. I'm not going to try and row this myself because it's been too hard. Perhaps they're here today and you, you're here today and you don't want to miss the appointment, but you've missed plenty already. You need to, you need to, and this is not to build numbers at church. This is about building your life. So people will, will the conspiracy theorists will say, oh, there he goes. He's trying to get people to go to church. Now, I, I want to see the, the, the kind of church that God is building that is victorious and is powerful, that is amazing, and you're part of it. So there's people here, and you've missed the appointment because you weren't there when Jesus called. Because you've been absent, missing in action. You, 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 you've just not been there. But I want to pray for us here today who don't want to miss the, the appointment in the future. You know, I know my life, I've, 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 lot, I've missed plenty of appointments on the way to get to here. But I, but I want to say, God, help me not to miss the appointments in the future. So when you're calling, I want to be there. When you call, I'm there. So I'm not missing that. I'm not missing that. And also I want to look at people who, who really just desire a spirit of of unity within the church, a spirit of growing in the church. Also for, for the spirit of team to inhabit the church. So there's, so there's you know, a, a team works by all those parts together like the engine I described. You need to say, God, I don't know what my, I'm just, I feel like I'm just a spark plug, but without a spark plug, the, the engine don't go either. You might think I'm, there's a few conrods hidden away. I'm just a conrod. No one notices me. I just got a whole lot of little lumpy bits. But without that, the engine don't go either. See, I'm pretty good with the motor, aren't I? But pray we set today a new level of normal. Why don't you stand this morning? I want to pray for those things. And I want to pray for you today. I don't want to embarrass people. I don't want to sort of you know, expose anything that you think, well, he was preaching about me today and I don't, I don't want to go there. But I want to see our church flourish. I want to see our church thrive. I want to see our church growing. And the catalyst for that has got to be when we come into that place where we all desire to grow a culture of unity, a culture of being there, a culture of not missing the assignment. And we'll see a great church right here in this part of the country. So dear Heavenly Father, if you, if you relate to this, you can just raise your hand and say, Lord, include me, include me in this. And I know that when, when I pray, the Holy Spirit's going to change hearts. The Holy Spirit's going to change conditions. The Holy Spirit's going to change purpose. So dear Heavenly Father, I just pray today for your church. I thank you, God, that you are an amazing God. You have an amazing plan. And Lord, the enemy wants to disrupt that, destroy that, interrupt that. And Lord, I, and he does that by causing uh, fractures and divisions. But Lord, you want to bring unity into one heart church. You want to bring purpose into our lives. You want to connect people to connect people so that, so that we can be uh, the kind of uh, church that has momentum, that, that uh, just starts to, to thrive and drive easily without pushing, without shoving, without sweating. Uh, without, without hurting people. So Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for an anointing to come upon this house of unity and power. And Lord, I just speak and prophesy, Lord, that this church be a growing church in that area, that we don't break down, we don't fall apart, we, we hit the mark 
and be a people of God who are committed to each other in Jesus' name. Amen.